Hello, my name's Frank and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO. I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery. But that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people just like me who are fascinated with this stuff. So why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said. And let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free, but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise. And I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name is Frank and let's get cracking. So first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's been sending well wishes because uh, as you may or may not know, I was uh, pretty ill this last week. Um, It's been a bit of a rough year for me this year, to be honest with you. There's been some good things going on in terms of the podcast starting and things like that, which is just over six months old now, believe it or not. If you've been listening to since the beginning, I'm sure it's probably gone as fast for you as it has for me, but... I couldn't believe it when I looked back at the dates on the episodes and saw that it had been six months. But in that time, um, basically, um, my eldest daughter has gone to nursery and I've just been ill again and again and again. I've had about four really bad colds and my daughter's also had an eye infection. And then last week I ended up getting some kind of um, norovirus, which is like a vomiting bug. And it was a very rough few days indeed, but um, I am now back to full health. I've actually caught another cold. Um, it's just the joys of having a young child at nursery. Um, unfortunately, you just got to crack on with it and, uh, you know, just just get through it as best you can. So if I sound a bit under the weather all the time, don't worry, but that's why it is. Uh, when I did my new intro at the beginning of the podcast, I had a cold and the plan was to record that and then do another one when I didn't have a cold anymore. Problem is, as soon as I get rid of a cold, I'll just get another cold again. So it's, I've just I've come to accept that I have now permanently got a cold. Um, but yeah, don't worry, everybody. Thanks for sending all the messages and everything. I'm, I'm back to pretty much full health apart from the cold, and um, it's all good. So today's going to be uh, a recent events uh, episode. There's not been anything mind-blowing uh, going on over the last couple of weeks, but I wanted to get one in anyway because there has been a few interesting things that I thought I could touch on. So first of all, the uh, Gillibrand Amendment continuing its slow journey. Um, there hasn't been any any massive progress with it, uh, and, I, and I'll be coming back to this later in terms of how it works and the, and the uh, the support that the the amendment has had and whatnot. Um, 
But basically what's happened is the, the Gillibrand Amendment is, is still making its way through on the path that it needs to do to, to come into fruition. But it's entered a bit of a frustratingly quiet phase at the moment. So what I wanted to touch on is that there's been a lot of confusion still about the differences between the proposed Astro Office, which is being put forward by the Gillibrand Amendment essentially, and the AOI MSG, um, which is a, a separate thing. And I, I did a tweet about uh, something to do with the uh, Gillibrand Amendment recently, a few days ago. And uh, a lot of people were seemingly very confused about what's actually going on there. I got some replies to it, which um, I think a lot of people are getting mixed up with these two separate things that, that are happening. Um, and, and part of that is, is possibly intentional as part of kind of a throwing the spanner in the works of um, the, the progress that the Gillibrand Amendment has been making and, and just the wider UFO topic in, in general. Uh, has been making some great progress and the people keeping the secrets uh, on this topic um, are not going to want that to happen are they they're going to try and do everything they can um, to enable them to be able to keep the secrets um, in my opinion that that's probably what's going on there and there are some pretty massive differences between the proposed astro office which is being put forward by the Gillibrand amendment and this aoi msg so I just wanted to go through those differences. There's actually a, a quite widely shared graphic which has been doing the rounds on social media and which outlines the, um, the main differences. So the key differences between the Pentagon's office and the Gillibrand Amendment's Astro um, is um, there are no references to UAP being transmedium. The new group, the AOI MSG, would concentrate on airborne phenomena in ignoring any ocean and perhaps even space activity one of the big things that we've heard a lot about over uh, over the last few years i guess really kind of ramping up as time's gone along is the fact that these uap are transmedium so they don't just fly around and i think again part of the um you know part of the conversation has been to take that side of things more seriously um you know these uap are seemingly entering water entering space entering the earth's atmosphere flying around through the air and there is no mention in the aoi msg of taking transmedium capabilities seriously and in fact it, it specifically concentrates on airborne phenomena um, the next point is there's no requirement for the development and implementation of a plan for collection and analysis so again with the aoi msg we've not got any kind of clear um, uh, you know plan to actually gather more data from from across the various different departments within the government it's more a case of just narrowing in on very specific restricted airspace within the military and it's nowhere near as as, as far reaching as what you would have with the gillibrands uh, amendments astro office there's no reference to unclassified public briefings there's no study into the uh, physiological impact of uap which could indeed be impacting military personnel there's no reference to scientific study or bridges built within the scientific community there's no requirement to consult foreign nations there's no requirement to examine technical issues such as non-combustion propulsion there's no accountability or explanation required for agencies that withhold uap data so 
with the Gillibrand Amendment, these other agencies that are holding data on UAP would be required by law to hand over that data to the Astro Office. And that's not the case with the AOIMSG. There's no mention of the threat posed to nuclear assets, which may represent an urgent national security risk. And there is no requirement to provide unclassified findings to Congress. And all of those points that I just mentioned are pretty much key points. People who are interested in this topic within the public, and I think even people within the wider public as well, would want to know about those things. And it's very important that those things are being considered by any office that, that would come into into action to look into these issues. And if you if you want to see the Gillibrand Amendment go through and actually bring this Astro Office into fruition, all of those things that I just mentioned would be happening. And if 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 we don't get any progress with the Astro Office actually coming into fruition and instead we're stuck with the AOIMSG, none of those things would be addressed. So that that is the difference between those two things. And of course, the danger is that the Gillibrand Amendment is, is still in progress. So the timing of this uh, AOIMSG is, is not ideal because all of a sudden you've now got a group set up to look into UFOs. And if that's the case, the Pentagon are going, look, we've got a group, we're going to look into this, don't worry about it, we've got it covered. Obviously, there's going to be a, a, a reduced chance of the Astro Office actually coming into fruition because if you've already got something which the Pentagon have put forward to look into this, this area... You know, you can see how it would be less attractive to also have another office come into fruition as well. And we're just going to have to see how it all plays out. I'm not really an, an expert on um, the US political process. I've been trying to, to read up on it more um, and, and, and be able to understand how all of this is actually uh, is progressing. So from what I understand, the current situation is with that, is that there's a bit of a, a quiet phase happening at this point in time. Uh, basically, the the defence budget in general, the National Defence Authorisation Act, um, has stalled in the Senate uh, following a, a failed procedural vote and some ongoing dis disagreements over the amendment package for the bill. And I think part of the um, disagreement there is coming from um, Senator Marco Rubio, actually, um, who was one of the people who, who was in support of the Gillibrand Amendment. But he's actually blocked a movement on the package unless an amendment is added placing import restrictions on goods from the Xinjiang province in China where the country has been accused of uh, crimes against humanity and, and you know possible genocide against the Uyghur um, Muslims in that region so apparently that the whole thing going through has now been delayed and it's looking more like early 2022 before it goes through but you know all is not lost and we'll just have to keep our eyes on it and hope for the best and uh, if you are from the United States definitely contact your representatives definitely make them aware as best you can that the public want to know about these things and we don't want any more lies or cover-ups we want to know as much as we can we want to know the full extent of it sorry for the slight hoarseness of my voice i'm still uh, one of my continuous colds continue so i may have to keep stopping the recording to clear my throat now and again anyway moving on so Moving on from that, we've got a, uh, a square object which was seen on the moon. A bit of a cube shape apparently was, uh, was actually uh, observed by the Chinese lunar rover U-22. 
which was actually released by uh, China's space agency this week. Now, uh, the, the photographs show a kind of a distant object that looks a little bit like a cube. Um, and the, the Chinese say that the rover is headed over to that to actually check it out. Now, it's worth noting a few things about it, um, because even though it is a cube shape, it's really just quite a pixelated image anyway so objects can appear to be a lot more cube-like because of the fact that it's pixels so we can't get too carried away and i think we do also have to just remember that th these issues to do with ufos unusual things to do with space and planets and exploration of space are a, a definite big talking point at the moment and you've got to think that China in particular may want to be seen as being at the cutting edge of space exploration and one way that they would do that is to intentionally put forward stories like this to go viral that that was kind of something that that occurred to me when I've been reading about this particular thing because obviously if you say oh uh, we've got the, we've just found this weird looking cube shape on the moon you know that that's a lot more likely to go viral than if the Chinese just said, "Yeah, the rover's mooching around, having a look at bits of dust." You know, and the thing that that, that does is it's an attention-grabbing headline, which you then click on, and then you read all about how China are doing all these amazing things on the moon. So, I do think that there's probably a, quite a large element of that in play, um, and I suppose it opens up a wider conversation as well of you know these things being a little bit more in the mainstream now than they have been in the past there will definitely be things like that where people use the the buzz around ufos and space in general to to kind of publicize certain efforts um, and i think that's probably there's at least an element of that that's going on here um so we shall see i mean there has been as well other things in in 2019 u22 discovered some kind of a gel on on the the surface of the moon but actually on on when it was looked into it turned out to just be rocks uh, and they also mentioned about a shard on the moon as well some kind of a shard shaped uh, object but again just turned out to be a rock so it seems like there's a bit of a pattern there and you know there are some unusual looking rocks on the moon and on mars don't get me wrong i would be the first one to be blown away if there was anything truly anomalous there but I think there's a definitely an element of of uh, you know drumming up a bit of publicity and uh, trying to stay in the forefront of uh, of the conversation when it comes to space exploration. And uh, there have been a lot of other you know mention of things like this in the past on Mars as well, and and they do you know almost always turn out to be misidentifications. But you know with with probes on the moon at the moment whether it's china whether it's the us um you know that's got to be a good thing hasn't it if you're interested in finding out more about space and the moon included in that uh, anything off of the planet earth you know it, this is an interesting time to be keeping your eye on the news you know we've got a probe on mars which is flying little drone helicopters around and you know taking samples and we can now see hd footage of the surface of mars and you know these are fascinating things and if there is anything there on mars 
and or anything on the moon or you know anything out there around those areas we will find out soon enough hopefully anyway you know maybe within a matter of years there'll be some big discoveries and uh, definitely worth you know keeping an eye out for those kinds of things i mentioned in the past I don't really hear very much interest in the UFO community about the exploration of Mars and the exploration of the moon and, and things of that nature. Um, even the satellite that was launched quite recently, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was a satellite uh, launched um, to actually go and um, attempt to knock an asteroid off course. You know, these are really fascinating things to me. Um, and it all ties in, you know, but at the end of the day, it all ties in with space and exploration of space and, um, you know, potentially you know finding things that are anomalous, which point to something which could help us to explain the, the UFOs, the, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena that we see. So another topic to touch on then is um, Anjali, okay? So I've had a lot of people messaging me about this and um, I just wanted to touch on it because it's something that I keep getting asked about and I mentioned Anjali and her um, you know, story that she's putting forward in the very early days of my podcast actually and, and in the very early days of Anjali's story uh, becoming more popular. So I just wanted to touch on it and, and let you guys know what my thoughts are and, um, you know, um, put it to bed, basically. So essentially, Anjali brought forward a, a very impressive story in the beginning. Uh, for anybody who's not aware, it was basically having to do with um, gone into a cave uh, after meeting a, a gentleman called Wayne. And she went with Wayne into a, into like a, a tunnel which had been excavated on his property uh, in the Mojave Desert. And uh, in that cave, they witnessed some uh, extraterrestrial beings, which seemed like a purple mantis type creature. And then they uh, were in co communication with her and trying to give a message to humanity through her. So obviously it sounds like a mind-blowing, if true, uh, type of story. Now, she laid out a very, very clear timeline, which was something that was definitely um, made me and a lot of other people kind of sit up and go, okay, uh, fair enough, you know. And I said at the start, there were some red flags there to say the least, but what made this whole thing a bit different was this promise of the expedition. And Anjali was very, very understanding of people who were asking her about evidence and said, look, I totally understand. I wouldn't believe me either, but look, you know, I'm going to bring evidence forward. So... I was keen to give her the benefit of the doubt because we want to create sort of an open environment to encourage experiences to come forward. And last thing we want to do is ridicule people's accounts. Um, you know, so why not give her the benefit of the doubt? What's the, what's that going to, you know, what's the, what's the harm that can be done there? So then Angeli did a press conference, which was, I think it's fair to say it was quite badly organised. No actual press were there. There was about 10 people and um, the sound wasn't very good. It was all a bit shambolic and no evidence was presented whatsoever. But I still gave her the benefit of the doubt because it takes some guts to do something like that. And even though it might have been a bit badly organised, it was basically designed to raise awareness of the expedition and what they were trying to do, which it did really because it generated a lot of buzz on social media then the whole thing went a bit from bad to worse really there was a, a really shambolic twitter poll which was announced again just badly organized and not really the best way to go about it it seemed like there was more um 
emphasis on trying to get engagement on social media than actually to find the best people to actually go on this expedition and there were people listed on the the twitter poll who were actually no longer with us who'd passed away very insensitive and could have been researched a lot better and a lot of the people who actually ended up being selected from the poll actually said that they didn't want to take part in it so it just became really shambolic and then the expedition was basically cancelled. Now, there's a lot more to it than that. Anjali said that it was postponed rather than cancelled, but I don't think there's much hope of it actually happening anytime soon. Um, Anjali said that Wayne's health was deteriorating, sort of suggested that it was as a result of people on Twitter giving him, giving him grief. But Really, I just think it was another catastrophe in organisation, unfortunately. It appears Wayne actually had no idea of what was being planned and he quite understandably wanted no part in it once he found out. And at this point, the story, the core story of what was being told about these beings and what was going to happen, um, you know, important elements of the story completely fell by the wayside when they were no longer convenient. There was letdown after letdown. And, and personally, I've just lost all faith in the situation and I don't really see any reason to keep discussing it. I've not really mentioned it on the podcast so far because I wanted the dust to settle a little bit. But basically, I'm no longer keeping up with the, what's going on with it. And I won't really be engaging in that particular storyline any further unless something changes. Because at the end of the day, I want to find out what's really going on with UFOs and, and whether or not there, any, there is any other life in the universe other than humans and so on. And Anjali seems like a really nice lady, but I don't think she's going to give us any truth about what's actually going on with any of this. Now... There is a lot about her message that's attractive to hear to a lot of people, and I understand that. She says a lot of nice things, you know, love and light and everything, but, you know, is it going to get us any further to actually understanding the truth of the UFO phenomenon? I'm not sure that it is, and, you know, maybe Anjali did experience something amazing, which is has led to um, this, this story kind of, you know, going along a path of evolution and, and things have changed along the way. Um, but at this point, I, I just think um, there's not really a lot to actually discover from looking into that particular story any further. And, you know, it's also with these types of things, the, these love and light type stories, I think there's a bit of a built-in passive aggressive element with these types of narratives as well because it's quite hard to question the validity of a story like that without seeming to attack the person and the person is putting forward this lovely story about love and light and peace for all humanity and transcending to a higher level of consciousness and so on and it's quite difficult to question a story like that. It's almost like built-in fail-safe that you know you can't really criticise it because you just seem like really harsh if you do. But you know, my thinking with it is, you can rationally criticise the actual case being put forward without criticising the person. And I think Anjali seems like a really nice person. You know, other people may disagree with that or whatever. I don't have anything against her as an individual, but this particular story, I don't see much benefit in following it any further. So moving on from that, there is a video that's been going around on socials of Tim Burchett, um, a Republican congressman, uh, talking about what he thinks about the UAP issue in general. So firstly, 
Um, there's a couple of things about this I wanted to go into. So we'll go into like what his comments have actually been, and then we'll go into a bit of the the sort of wider conversation that that this opens up uh, regarding uh, the UAP issue and politics and the way that it all links in. So first of all, he's he actually stated way back in June this year that he doesn't really believe that the Russians have this technology. And if they did, they would be owning us right now, you know, talking about the Russians. If they really had some kind of um, tic-tac type technology, that they would be, you know, the, the foremost world power by this stage. It is a fair point, that. And I think that does back up what a lot of people are thinking, that this is not ours, is in it's not the UK or the US. It's not the Russians or the Chinese, some adver- adversarial countries. So, So what is it? So my point there is that Tim Burchett has not just appeared overnight. He's been talking about this pretty much all year about the UFO topic. And even back in June, he was saying about how he generally doesn't believe that it's an adversarial nation and it's not us. So what is it? And uh, a quote from that particular um, video that was going around in June is, quote, UFOs were in the Bible read ezekiel it talks about the wheel flying around so they've been around since we've been around and somebody needs to come up with some answers unquote and i thought that was an interesting point actually because there has been a lot of discussion recently about ufos and religion and i do find that area fascinating I'm almost finished reading um, a book called American Cosmic which is a very well-known book actually within the UFO community but I'm just kind of catching up on some of these things really. I've ordered quite a lot of books over the last couple of months and I've been reading through some you know with Jacques Vallée and uh, this American Cosmic as well uh, Michael P Masters book um, uh, Identify Flying Objects and just quite a few other books as well and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going into some book recommendations at some point I might do that around Christmas time but um, the the American Cosmic uh, book is, is a lot to do with uh, religion and, and how religion and, and UFOs uh, are quite similar. Um, the, the person who wrote the book, D.W. Pasulka, had a background in, in uh, looking into religion and religious studies at an academic level. So there's a lot of comparisons in there um, about the way people look at UFOs and um the way people look at religion and it's quite a fascinating comparison when you think about it but without going into that uh, in in too much detail getting back to to tim birchip so his most recent comments uh, were basically he was asked about the aoimsg that i was talking about earlier on and he basically said quote i don't trust the pentagon i never have these there are secrets upon secrets and that's how they operate and we're foolish if we give them any more money to do this kind of thing it needs to be independent there needs to be congressional oversight and the public needs to see it unquote and I've got to say, I think he's absolutely bang on there. I mean, it's, it's exactly the kinds of things I was talking about earlier. We can't allow, essentially, the people who've been keeping the secrets all these years to do an investigation into themselves. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I think um, that what he's saying there in that particular sentence is absolutely bang on. And, you know, that's why so many people have been actively campaigning to ensure that the Gillibrand Amendment does go through and, and this Astro Office is officially created. Because the thing to remember is that this office has not actually been officially created just yet. 
the the signs are looking quite promising, um, but at, at the moment we're not fully there yet in terms of the Gillibrand Amendment coming to fruition and, and the actual office being created. So definitely worth mentioning if you are in the States, you know, it's really worth trying to contact your representatives, send letters and emails, phone calls, whatever you need to do to just make the people who are in charge of making decisions on these things, make them people aware that the public want transparency on this issue. The public care about this thing. It, it's it's a real issue that has significant, um, you know, considerations for national security, and, and the public want to know about these things, um, because that's really important. You know, there's a plenty of excellent activism already taking place in the United States, um, with the uh, you know the unidentified celebrity review and their big phone home. The whole emphasis there is contacting the people who represent us um, and making sure that they're aware that the public really want to know about these things. But the wider um, point there regarding what Tim Burchett was saying as well, there was a lot of discussion about, um, you know, some of the things that he said, it, it kind of came to light that um, he'd made some comments questioning the validity of the election um, and I understand the concern there, but in my opinion, it is possible to see the UAP as a bit of a separate issue to other things with politics. Politics is an area that I don't tend to delve into on the podcast in particular. Um, and But I just part of the reason for that is I think the UAP issue is something that transcends politics. It's something that, that affects every single human being on this planet if it turns out that we're not alone in the universe. Um or even if there's just some kind of whatever it is that's that's behind the the UFO phenomenon, UAP in general, you know, there could be a number of things that's behind it. You know, if we find some kind of uh, physics anomaly that we didn't realize existed before, or if we find out that there's humans are time traveling back from you know from the future back to present day for some reason, or if we find out that there is indeed extraterrestrial life out there in the universe, all of these things massively impact the whole human race. And I, I don't know, I, I do believe that that should transcend regular politics, and I, I personally think that it is possible to applaud. Um, a, a politician's stance on UAP even if there's necessarily you know you don't necessarily agree with some of the other things that they say on certain issues and um, for me that that's how I felt about the the Tim Burchett thing I mean being from the UK as well I don't really know anything about American politics in terms of who says what you know which representatives have a certain stance and, and all the rest of it so I understand what people are saying with, with that that you know we shouldn't just you know applaud any politician who, who says anything remotely positive about UAP it's a fine it's a fine balance though because you know you're not going to agree with everything that every politician says in fact I, I think it'd be quite hard for me to find a politician that I agree with everything they say so there's always going to be things that you disagree on does that mean you can't applaud their stance on UAP personally don't think it does but it is a tricky line like with a lot, with a lot of things in in politics but you know so far there really has been genuine bipartisan support for these new uap legislations and these new proposed offices and everything and i really hope that it stays that way
because as I said, the UFO mystery affects every single human being on this planet. And I really do think there is a huge public interest in knowing what's going on with this mystery. And and recently we have seen people within the US government openly acknowledge that this may represent a serious threat to national security. Just a slightly aside point here as well. I, I think a lot of people within the wider public are deep down very interested in UFOs and what they are and where they come from and what's behind the, the mystery of, of UFOs. And I would suggest that for the most part, it's just down to sort of burnout really and the stigma that's built up over the decades. Ordinary people just don't necessarily want to have that conversation. You know, I've kind of tried to have a bit of a, you know, a lot of people I know, acquaintances and, you know, things like that, don't really know that I'm even that interested in UFOs. They certainly don't know I have a podcast about it. And I've tried just slipping in little bits of, you know, asking a, a quaint little question here and there, you know, just to sort of see, to test the waters of what various different people who I know um, think about it. And it's actually quite surprising. A lot of people... um you know, people either kind of go down the path of thinking it's yeah, it probably is all real, but the government won't tell us anyway, so there's no point looking into it. Because that's what I mean by burnout. People have been interested in this for you know occasionally throughout their lives, but you just come up against a dead end where you know you know you're not really going to get the truth out of the the government. So what's the point in dwelling on it? And obviously, I'm a bit different because I'm quite obsessed with it. It's one of those things you can't really explain, um, but it's something that's so significant to me that it's really worth dwelling on and trying to get to the bottom of it, but not everybody thinks about it like that. People have a lot of things going on in their lives at the end of the day, and it's understandable. So either people are either thinking of it like that, the kind of burnout thing, or they just think that it is all nonsense and tinfoil hat type of stuff and whatever. And... You know, that again, I think is just down to that stigma that's built up over the decades. People are just fed this line that, you know, all oh, tinfoil hats and it's all nonsense and it's all science fiction. And a certain amount of people are just going to go along the lines of believing that that is the case. As I say, a lot of people have got a lot of things going on in their lives, you know, difficult jobs, you've got children to bring up, you can have health issues, family issues. A lot of people don't really have the time to spend worrying about things like UFOs, you know. I mean, obviously, it's different for me. I have a lot of things going on in my life, but I have become quite obsessed. But I do understand that not everybody will be and won't want to look into it in the, in the same way. And, you know, the government have lied over and over and, and people feel a little bit powerless to actually get to any truth so why bother you know i mean not the government just does, doesn't just lie about ufos they lie about a lot of other things as well so i do understand that that you know how you can end up going down those lines of thinking but you know having said all that i say that we need to hold governments you know the governments of this world we need to hold them accountable they are there to act out the will of the people. It's not a dictatorship. How dare they go against the will of the people? You know, unless there is that disturbing reality there, which is something that occasionally just crops up in my mind where you think, you know, maybe there is something there that is so disturbing. There's a good reason it's been kept secret all this time. 
and that's when you start touching on the possibilities of future humans coming back to uh you know to try and avert a cataclysm or perhaps even just a concept that you know extraterrestrial aliens are actually quite evil by our standards and that might not be a pleasant reality to have to accept and um you know, perhaps some of those explanations could be why, or partly why, we aren't told the whole story. But we just don't know. And the fact is, in my opinion, we must just push for transparency. And even if we don't get it from the government, we've still got things like the Galileo Project, and, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other initiatives along those lines as time goes along. So, in some other news then, the, uh, the debrief have actually just reported that a warp bubble has just been created for the very first time. So warp drives have been talked about in science fiction for decades now. And, and the basic concept, I'm not a physicist, so obviously bear in mind I'm trying to put this in layman's terms as much as possible. But the basic concept is that in order to be able to travel as fast or faster than the speed of light without breaking laws of physics as we understand them, one way to do this is to actually warp the space-time around a craft, and this would actually allow faster-than-light travel. However, the actual plans that have been drawn up for a warp drive or you know, a warp bubble have never really been considered viable because of the requirements of uh, massive amounts of energy and exotic materials and so on. However, researchers who are actually working for DARPA at the LSI Eagle Works lab to explore Casimir cavities, which apparently is a unique micro scale structure uh, with various different applications that, that can be uh, used for various technologies once we understand it better so these researchers have accidentally created a warp bubble during their experiments so obviously again i'm not going to try and explain what the ins and outs of the experiments were because frankly i don't have a clue but apparently they did stumble across this warp bubble and the following quote from debrief article actually sums it up rather nicely quote to be clear our finding is not a warp bubble analog it is a real albeit humble and tiny warp bubble unquote and this is uh, dr harold g white uh, speaking to the debrief and uh, as the debrief put it that quickly dispenses with the notion that this is anything other than the creation of an actual real world warp bubble hence the significance so pretty amazing and obviously as with any new technological advancement this is in the extremely early stages but the important thing is to me anyway is that this shows that that warp bubble technology is no longer merely theoretical and it can be created even if it's only a, a tiny micro scale if it is possible to create it at that small scale it may be possible to upscale it and maybe in 10 years we could see actual warp bubble craft able to actually travel faster than light and uh, if you want to find out more about that and if you don't already follow the debrief you absolutely should um, excellent uh, source of information about science and space and things like that and occasionally some high quality reporting on uap as well so it's the debrief.org um, and you can check out some some of their amazing articles on there in fact actually i'm just going to check that because if i've just said the wrong website that's not going to be any good so bear with me one second whilst i find that out 
And yes, I can verify that thedebrief.org is the website and thedebrief.org because debrief.org apparently just takes you to a blank page which doesn't exist. So yeah, thedebrief.org and you can find loads of amazing articles on there. So finally, to wrap up my recent events uh, for now, um, the James Webb Telescope is looking like all systems go for a December the 22nd launch, which is amazing timing because that's actually the day that I finish for my Christmas holidays. So I am very excited to pour myself a nice whiskey, perhaps even an ale as well, and uh, watch the launch if it does indeed end up on TV, which I imagine it will or some kind of live stream on the internet. So excellent timing for that just before Christmas. And the James Webb Telescope is essentially a space-based telescope that will be able to see deeper into the universe than anything ever built. Um, $10 billion have gone into the development of this telescope, and it's been described as one of the, one of the grand scientific endeavours of the 21st century. And it basically has one main objective which is to see the light coming from the very first stars to shine in the universe and from this we may be able to tell things about the origins of the universe that we have never seen before and it's it's basically much bigger than the hubble telescope which is a similar uh, structure which has been orbiting the earth since 1990 and hubble basically collects light using a main mirror that's around about 2.4 meters across while the Webb telescope has a primary mirror that is 6.5 meters in diameter and I've heard it described as um, basically like the difference from going from VHS video cassette all the way up to 4k or 8k you know unbelievable jump in terms of the clarity that we're going to be able to um, view things way way far out in space and The actual telescope is enormous and has to be folded up inside the launch rocket before it's actually unfurled in orbit. Um, And the key aspect of the the James Webb telescope is that it's tuned to detect light that Hubble can't detect, which is in the infrared spectrum. And this light is invisible to the human eye, but it's the type of light in which the glow from the most distant objects in the universe will show up. So obviously it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what this telescope uh, actually finds and and detects. Um, But worth bearing in mind, it won't be like, you know, it launches on the 22nd and by Christmas Day we'll know that there's aliens out there or something. Um, Much as I would very much like that on Christmas Day afraid it's not going to work that way so basically it's probably going to be quite some months before any actual preliminary findings come through and as with a lot of these things it will be quite some time before the full extent of the discoveries will actually be uh, known to the public Um, but still definitely one to keep an eye on and i find it really interesting as you know who knows what this telescope is actually going to see and what the knock-on effect is going to be you know perhaps the objective will be accomplished and we'll actually learn something groundbreaking about how the universe began or how the universe you know is expanding and you know if you consider as well that the uap phenomenon here on earth is often much more easily detected using infrared such as the tic tac for example was only visible to chad underwood through the FLIR, which is a forward-looking infrared camera system you know who knows what else this telescope may see you know, it's, it's definitely 
going to be a fascinating area to keep an eye on and um there's quite a lot of really exciting things going on at the moment you know we've got the galileo project we've got this gillibrand amendment we've got these probes on the moon and on mars and now on top of that we're going to have the james webb telescope as well to add to the mix so basically that's about it for now so i hope um you enjoyed listening to that there not not any sort of huge bombshells but still a few interesting points that i thought were worth going into especially to clear up a bit of the confusion surrounding the gillibrand amendment and the aoimsg etc so um i hope everybody's uh is is enjoying the beginnings of the the festive season if you do indeed uh, get into the festivities and celebrate all of that i'm feeling quite christmasy recently so got my christmas tree up you know cracked open a a nice bottle of whiskey that i go back to each festive season and uh, despite all the various illnesses that i've been suffering with it's nice to to feel a little bit more back to normal and I hope everybody else can say the same. Don't forget, um, you can always get in touch with me on Twitter, at UFO Thinker, and uh, UFO Thinker at Hotmail.com, or UFO Thinker at ProtonMail.com if you want to send anything over securely. Um, always really interested to hear from people's actual experiences as well. So if you've got a UFO sighting, or a video or even just an account that you want to share um feel free to send it over to my email address i've, I've been having a few of those come through uh, and some videos as well shared by people um which is really interesting i love hearing from from the listeners so always do feel free to get in touch uh, i can't always reply to every email but I, I do read every single email that comes through so it's always great to hear from from people and um yeah until next time Take it easy, stay curious, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. UFO Thinker Podcast.